So, I, like I said earlier, I was thinking about this candlelight service, and I can think of candlelight services all the way back to my childhood. I can think of uh, lighting the candles as a child and thinking, this is cool. I get to play with fire. <laughs> and I may or may not have been a kid occasionally who intentionally dripped the wax. My mom's here. She can actually confirm uh, or deny that. I'm going to ask that she can deny it for me. But uh, I can remember as a child thinking, this is, this is cool and all, but I didn't really get it. And then as I, as I grew to adulthood, I started thinking about candlelight services. And then I, I started serving in churches. And it, it, for the longest time, the candlelight service for me was something that I began to dread. Everybody else is hanging out with their family, and I've got to go to work. Um, and I started thinking about it. I thought, this is totally wrong. This isn't, this isn't about whether or not we have a service. This is about an opportunity for us to do something different, but also to worship our Lord. And I kept dwelling on why candles? Why candles? Why, why, why do we spend so much time focusing on, on the lights that, that come from all of this? And until real recently, my thinking toward Christmas lights was about the same as my initial thinking as I went into to ministry uh, about candlelit services. I, I started thinking about Clark Griswold. Okay. Now, I can't quote some of that movie. Um, I was thankful for the TV version that was on last night, and even still, um, I had to send the kids to bed early. Um, and, but I thought about that, and I think, you know, maybe that's how we see Christmas lights, that it's this grand competition. Or, or those of you who've seen um, Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and his portrayal of all of that, and you see... Um, Cindy Lou Who's mom and Martha Mayhew uh, competing against each other for the greatest Christmas light displays. And then I think, I live in Pecan Grove. <laughs> for those of you who are unaware, uh, or maybe not from around here, Pecan Grove can actually be seen from the sky as the Christmas light central of the Richmond Sugarland area. People drive out and follow hay hay rides through our little subdivision. I say little. It can take a while, and if you don't have your map or your GPS, you can get lost. I did that before we moved out there and before I had a GPS. And I only knew one street, and if I could find plantation, I was good to go. I didn't find it for a while, and it took me a while of driving around. Do you know where you are? Yeah, I know where I am. Where's plantation? Um, and I, I think about Pecan Grove a lot, not just because I live there, but because I started thinking about why do we put all this stuff out? Why <coughs> bother? I'm not particularly fond of extension ladders. <laughs> My daughter now hangs the lights. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, she doesn't like it either. Um, but the ladder will hold her. Uh, I'm a little concerned. Um, and, and I think about that and I think, you know, I don't, I don't see my I see the Christmas tree that we have in the house. I see the decorations that we have in the house. And unless there's a bulb out, I don't pay attention to the lights on the outside. And I think we're like that. But then I started thinking about it. That's as it should be. Why should I be concerned about whether or not my lights are shining? I do my work in putting the light out. And then it's up to other people if they want to come driving down our street to come see it. And at Pecan Grove... 
uh, you can have traffic jams. There's the naughty and nice house. There are other places that if you live in the area, you know, um, you don't want to try to get out after about 7 o'clock. If you have somewhere to be, plan for an hour wait. It takes a while. Because people come from all over to come look at Christmas lights. And the people who put them up are in their homes. Maybe, maybe they've set the timer like we do. They're not even there. Because the light isn't for them. The light's for the people who are coming to look at it. And then I started thinking about the candlelight service. We come and we celebrate and we sing songs that many of us have grown up with. We sing songs about a Savior who was born. We sing songs about silent nights and holy nights. And I'm not ever sure about that silent night part. Um, I've raised five children. Um, not one of them was quiet at night uh, for certain time periods. I'm thinking Jesus was fully human. He cried. Uh, and all those kind of And I started thinking... For me, the candlelight service is an opportunity to shed light. It's an opportunity to, to look at light and darkness, even as we only have the stage lights up. I can, I can see most of you if I do this. You can see me just fine. But in just a moment, all this is going to go away. And what's going to be left is an opportunity to see this part lit with just candles. But it's not just about the baby in the manger. In fact, I thought very seriously about stealing the baby in the manger before I got started tonight. Not because I was wondering how many people would notice <laughs> that side was there, um, but because I, I wanted to think what would it be like to be the shepherd's and see him for the first time. We've grown accustomed to scenes like this. We've grown accustomed to this picture. We have movies ranging from Ricky Bobby and the six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus. And we go, well, that's the Jesus I want. We want the baby in the manger. And I can't recommend that one, but I'm just saying that's our thinking. And we say, well, I like the baby in the manger. But the baby in the manger doesn't seem to require anything of me. But why did he come? I want to walk through just a brief uh, glance at scripture that isn't usually used for a candlelight service, but it is so fitting. Uh, in John chapter 1, two of the Gospels begin with the birth story of Jesus. And I'm going to argue that actually the third one does too. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1 probably gives us the best reason of all to have a candlelight service. Let's look at it. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So I just want to put a couple of things in front of us as we think about the Incarnation. God becoming flesh. We're told about John, and I want to just dwell on him for just a second. I think that's the, there are two reasons I think we have a candlelight service. One, to celebrate that God has given us Christ as the light of the world. And two, to be reminded that we're to be just like John, to bear witness of the light. We are not the light of men. It is not up to us to bring someone to salvation. It is up to us to simply live our lives in such a way that people see Christ in us. To take our own candle and to walk among a dark world. And so when we look at the first part of this, the big idea is that God in great love sent his son to become human. This should stagger our imagination. The God of the universe, who was there before there was a there. Who created all things by his voice. Now comes, in the second person of the Trinity, now comes and puts on humanity and dwells among us. And he comes as a baby. So that he can be recognized among men. Not as somebody who has... uh, Special likeness, you know, like we see in Renaissance art with the halo above his head, so that he can walk among people and love them as God loves them and walk among them in such a way that people look at him and go, I wonder if God's like that. And then for him to speak and teach and heal and resurrect and do all the things that he did among people to prove that that's exactly who he is and exactly what God is like. He starts in a manger, but he doesn't stay there. And tonight, I don't want to take us to the cross. So many times we go from Christmas to the cross. I think as Christmas begins, as we we finish Advent and we move into this time, we need to pause and think about this great love that God has so given us in that we see God in flesh. If any of you have ever held a baby, there's nothing like that experience even if it's not your kid until they start fussing and then you can give them back. (laughs) But if it's your kid, even if they're fussing, there's nothing like holding a baby. There's nothing like knowing that you can hold all of their physical person in this stretch of your arm. And once they're able to hold their head up to toss them into the air and catch them, um, much to all the moms going, stop doing that. All the guys are like, They're not going to fall. I've I've got them. Uh, There's nothing like that experience. There's nothing like that feeling of holding a baby. And yet, Mary, when she holds the baby, is holding the Lord. 
And we pause and we think about that, and it should cause us to go, I just don't understand that. But we as humanity get to behold God in the flesh. We get to behold God in the flesh in such a way that he lives a perfect life, and we watch it unfold before us, and we see what God is like. And while I could take you to the cross and remind you of his sacrifice, and I could take you to the resurrection and remind you of the hope, we have hope. It starts in a manger. But there's that second part. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And then down in verse 13, or verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. As we come to this time, as we think about Christmas, and many of us will be opening gifts, some of us have already done that, as we open those gifts and we think through all of that aspect, think through the gift that was given and then testify about it. As you gather with your families, whatever your traditions are for tomorrow, whatever you've got going for your plans for tomorrow, as you share gifts with each other, take a moment and pause and witness about the real gift that's been given to us at Christmas. And then take that same love, that same joy, that same hope, that same peace, the things that we've been singing about, and take it to the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Within a week, we'll finish out 2015. And we'll start a brand new year with no mistakes in it, no worries in it, nothing to fret about. And I want to challenge you to take the hope of Christ, God with us, into the next year. I want to challenge you to be a witness like John, not to be your own light, but to bear witness of the light of Christ that is, that is within us. Not to be your own agenda, not to be your own, your own giant, but to simply be a small flame, living life day to day in the midst of all that you have, and share the love of Christ. As we'll see in just a moment when the lights go out and we we move to the next step of what we're doing, a little bit of light held by itself doesn't do much. In fact, if we killed all the stage lights right now, the little bit of candlelight that we have would do a little bit to light the room. But I want to draw your attention to something and I want you to pause and reflect on it when we get there. As all of us shine our light, the room gets filled. And not everyone will stand upon a stage and preach or sing, but all of us can bear witness. The Christmas season is about that. And so the next time you're, you're driving, or even if you look at your own Christmas tree, as you're driving through a neighborhood and you look at the Christmas lights, remember they're not there for the owner. They're there for you. And the same thing is true with the light of Christ within us. It's not just for us. It's for those that we come in contact with. Let's pray together.